0: And I'm Jim Gullickson. Everyone calls me Gully, and uh, I'm in for Karen this morning. But uh, we can't do a Friday morning show without having Barb, Barb Lamson, Master Gardener. She's into talk gardening and maybe uh, yeah. say a few thank yous and things like that. So what do what'd you want to start with?
1: Well, Gully, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to you. Oh, 30, 30 years of, of uh, being in the radio business. and being so open-minded and fair, and being such a great ambassador for what radio can be. I mean, we have had so many wonderful speakers come in here. Mm -hmm. When programs are coming to the university, the people are here. We have the sports people, they come in all the time. I've learned a lot about sports just on Friday mornings from the sports people coming in and discussing my favorite game, which is hockey.
0: Yeah, (laughs)
1: And uh, and I kind of watch them. I watch when they go to Alaska because my son lives in Alaska. And I think, you know, this is this is really something, Mankato. You know, playing hockey in Alaska. I mean, just think how things have changed and evolved over right. the years. And mm-hmm. you know, um, things have changed and evolved for gardening too. And and. Uh, Thanks to Public Radio and the Free Press and things like that. And I want to just say a big thank you to Diane Dunham selly She is writing the Free Press column every Wednesday. You can read uh, from her uh, articles. Just excellent, excellent information. Before her, there was Don Gordon. He wrote that column for years and years. You know, good, reliable kinds of information. And uh, we were very privileged as master gardeners to be invited out to her garden on Monday night. We toured. She raises iris. Oh, okay. And uh, if, you, if you've if you ever seen those great big orchids that they used to put in corsages, that's what her iris look like. They're big and they're lush and, and the colors and, and ruffled edges and they almost look like something that's been fashioned by hand from uh, from paper and silk and and they're just just so gorgeous so thank you to her too and congratulations to the free press for their ten awards that they just recently received
0: i know and you know i should also mention while you mentioned that also the organization we belong to ampers the yes. association of minnesota public educational radio stations uh, also picked up some awards at that same uh, event for our Minnesota Native News program that we do yes and uh, and so yeah it was really cool to to get that and um and so I you know obviously kudos to the to the folks who work on that kind of thing
1: yeah uh, excellent I I agree with you and I just want to thank uh, Rob Murray for the nice article he did about myself I was very surprised to see it and uh, uh, some of my neighbors brought me copies of the newspaper so I could send them to my kids isn't that nice that i mean is that's nice. a, yeah that's great so we're really fortunate in this country that we have a uh, press that's free and and we get wonderful stories that are uh, researched out and uh, the same thing with radio and television we're very very fortunate in that respect and we have seen in gardening in the 30 plus years that I've been connected with the master gardeners we've seen such a change in in attitude about gardening and the importance that it brings. I think for a while we got a little complacent and we thought, you know, we don't have to waste our time gardening. We can just go out and buy all our food. And we kind of disconnected from that process Mm -hmm. of growing things and appreciating the soil, the change in the weather and water and that. And it's been kind of a slow process. But just by the fact of the number of people that are invite us to come and speak to their groups and the children's programs. You know, we do summer school now. We teach gardening in summer school and this is this will be our third summer now. That's just such a, a gift to us to be able to share what we have learned sure. and impart that to these young people and be out there in a garden gardening with them and rediscovering with them the how nature Changes and how it grows things and the insects and that whole combination of things that work together to produce this good food that we eat.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. And you know, um, I, I've learned so much from you, Barb, and from from Karen and uh, from all the other master gardeners that uh, that have you know come through the doorway. And you know, I'm I'm not a gardener. You know, I I, I can I can kind of do that sort of stuff, but I know. That um, you and all the other Master Gardeners really have a passion for it, and it comes through loud and clear on the radio, and I'm so thankful for that.
1: Well, we do, and, you know, Gully, you have the most important thing. You appreciate food.
0: I do. (laughs) I I have
1: heard you talking about some of the things that you cook and you make. And so when you appreciate good food, you appreciate good ingredients. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to understand that if you can just run out in your own backyard and pick the vegetables that you're going to be cooking with tonight, that's really great. You know, last week I saw an article in... uh, I don't know if it was the Free Press on Sunday or if it was uh, another article, but they uh, were talking about cauliflower, how you roast it on the grill, mm-hmm. and then after it's done, you you mash it up, and you make it, and you blend it with uh, a few other ingredients, and you make a uh, a vegan burger out of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that sounds so good. i got to do this. So... I roasted my cauliflower, mm-hmm. and I tasted them, and I thought, I'm not going to make this into it. I'm not going to mash this up. I'm going to serve this with a steak. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I grew up on a farm. Yep. I was raised on meat, and I'm afraid I still love meat, and, and when I smell it cooking, and yeah. I uh, that you know, there's nothing quite like that.
0: I'm an omnivore, too, but uh, my son is a, what is it called, a pesca pescatarian i think so he will eat fish ah uh he does eat eggs good uh but everything else is all all plant-based yeah so yeah.
1: that that's so wonderful that's
0: and, and he doesn't you know uh, he, he and i have had some great conversations about um you know about food because he's he's yes. kind of a little bit of a foodie sure and um and he, he cooks his own meals and he's actually pretty talented for a sure you know 22 year old um but he uh <laughs> he and I got into a a little bit about milk because I like milk I do cow's too. milk right I do too well he Absolutely. is he is really into the almond milk
1: ah and, yes and you
0: know I mean that's all great you know it's coming from a from a plant source but I explained to him you know Almond trees are extraordinarily thirsty trees. Yes, it they are. It takes many gallons and gallons and gallons yep. of water, and that's a precious resource. It to, is. To get olives. Yes. Uh, or to get, I'm oh, sorry, not olives, to get almonds. Yes. So anyway, so it was just a kind of an interesting conversation You know, about that.
1: the thing I like about almond milk is my granddaughter, who was in the Peace Corps in Albania for three years, their major source of protein was cheese. They didn't have, they don't have a lot of animals. And she was in a mountainous area. Mm -hmm. And after eating a lot of yogurt and cheeses and and unpasteurized milk, she came back and she had developed um, a real allergy. She was, she couldn't have anything dairy. And so... Uh, she was very lucky um, in Cleveland, Ohio. She found a doctor who had dealt with this before, mm-hmm. and almond milk is one of the things that we used to substitute for for regular dairy. We were there for her graduation two weeks ago, and our favorite recipe is a rhubarb dessert. You, you like rhubarb? You know, I
0: you know I'm not a fan of rhubarb. There's that sort of um Tang in there that just doesn't agree with me, but um, but so many people love rhubarb, so I I'm know. just I'm just a outlier here uh, because right. most people really love it.
1: Well, well, my sister-in-law, my husband's sister introduced us to this rhubarb torte, and it has a meringue that's about oh an inch and a half high, <laughs> and then the rhubarb is made into a custard-like thing, and then that goes on a crumbly crust-like thing. Yeah, and my daughter uh, said to me. Or my husband said to me, you know, I love this dessert, but, you know, Barb doesn't make that often enough. And my daughter, who was fairly young at the time, she said to her father, Dad, what's wrong with you? Why don't you make this dessert? <laughs> and and it stuck. And he said, okay, I will. I said, That's it, you know. uh, That's great. I'll raise the rhubarb, but you make the rhubarb tort. Okay. And so when we were in Ohio now, he made this dessert for her. And so in place, in this custard where you normally put in cream Mm -hmm. and in the crust where there's butter. Yeah. So we used almond milk. And it was just as good as anything. So for those people who have allergies... Sure. uh, But boy, you know what? I love a glass of cold milk. Me too. I think that is so great. Oh, yeah. Oh, man.
0: If I'm having a sandwich... I'm probably having milk with it.
1: Yeah, me too. You know, uh, it, it, it's
0: just—it's just kind of a—they just, just go together. You know? Yeah,
1: right. It, but, then you feel like you've had a meal. You know, that was the right thing. Nothing else is quite right with it. But now, I
0: did—I did plant some herbs uh, just the other day. So I've got uh, some fresh basil I can harvest from there, and yes. I've got some uh, rosemary I planted. I planted some.
1: Uh, did you plant cilantro? Soy?
0: Yes. I planted cilantro and yeah. some, uh, c- um, what's the other thing that's like cilantro? Uh, well, totally, uh, parsley,
1: parsley, yeah. So, I
0: planted some parsley and cilantro, that's good. And, um, and we already had some chives because that just comes back every yes. year, isn't and that we, nice? And we had some dill apparently, and that came yes, back, too. that's nice so, too, yeah.
1: You know, it's it's so funny up at a good council where our vegetable garden is, the dill is so prolific, yeah. And when we started renting these plots up there, it was on there, and I don't care how many times you hoe it out, it comes back, <laughs> so now. I absolutely, when it's young and fresh, I use it and I mix it in. When I make, uh, uh, there's a cucumber dip that's cucumber oh, and dill, dill and, yeah. and sour cream, Like sour I
0: really cream. like the flavor of dill on I fish.
1: Oh, I do too.
0: Oh, it's such a great oh, flavor on oh, fish. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, you know, gardening has changed in other ways too because I read this article about this doctor who started a garden... Out at the male Health System. Uh, oh yeah, of that was Eastridge. just in the paper. Yeah, yeah Isn't that great? And that was then cool. he's got thirty. I, I believe he's got thirty patients that are going to be able to participate in that. Well, well, you know, years ago, nutrition that wasn't or exercise; those things weren't. It was always take a pill and go home, and sure. you know, you're going to be okay. But now we've decided that you know that's not the right prescription for us. We want to be healthy all the time. Right. We don't want to just take a pill. And so that's. great. Too that people are thinking about, um, as uh, in uh, um, Hippocrates said, uh, uh, food. Medicine is food is medicine, and that is mm-hmm. true. Staying yeah. healthy, and and I think people that came here, I'm thinking of my grandparents especially, how food really you had to stay healthy because everything was so physical. You had to mm-hmm. work under all conditions, you know. Yeah, it was hot, cold, storms, all kinds, con- and keep your animals healthy. So, and uh,
0: they had they had you know so so many fewer things to select from. You didn't have supermarkets that could get, you know, foods from all over the world. And so you, you know, everybody had their... you know what do you call this the cellar where you where you put yeah, your root the cold cellar? Storage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, to, to, and
1: preserving sure by by canning. Yeah, they can. Yes, and that's why rhubarb was so important. Yep. I mean, rhubarb was planted uh, on farmsteads. You'll still find it today. Mm-hmm. Now we're fortunate, or we have that strawberry rhubarb, which is sweeter than that old one, which was uh, Victoria was one of those. And I do have one of those in my garden because in the South, like in Georgia, where my daughter lives, mm-hmm. there's we're zone eight, we're zone four. But it isn't that you're worrying about things freezing. There, you're worrying about the heat units. And there are things that won't survive when it gets so hot. And our strawberry rhubarb, that will not make it there. The same way with peonies. They have just a terrible time trying to struggle through those really hot, humid summers. Interesting. And they also get a lot of blight. So Victoria, this old Victoria, that's one of the recommended varieties for Zone 8. It can handle that. That heat. And if you think that the rhubarb that you've tasted has that kind of acidy Yeah, taste. that
0: tang, that thing that makes your jaw kind of tighten up or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, this Victoria really has it. But the the settlers, I mean if you'd if you'd been living on salt pork and yeah. a few other <laughs> dried vegetables, you'd be pretty thrilled to get yeah. something fresh in, in your system too.
0: Right. So, well, you know, and I I you can find I mean you can find wild uh, raspberries growing, you know, yes. in yeah. in this climate here and um I'm sure they probably, you know, harvested those and probably planted them. But,
1: you know, on the prairie here, it was much more difficult. So we're between the prairie and the big woods. Yep, the big woods, yep. Yeah, and so if you had uh, some property that had a a river or a stream running through it, you're going to have more things. But if you're on the prairie, not as much. Right. So if you were able to harvest berries and things like that, and even there are roots and things, and asparagus, you know, we have wild asparagus here too. Yeah. But you had to know about that and you had to get out and you know really work to get that too right
0: well, knowing which mushrooms to pick and which ones not to pick that, was that, kind of that a big deal. is a
1: that is a scary thing yes. that's something that i have never Taken up. I know what morales look like, but I don't know what anything else looks like. And I don't want them growing in my yard because I don't know if somebody would pick them or animals would eat them or or whatever. But I I was surprised to see in the paper today that um, uh, the Crystal, uh, Lake Crystal Water Project, they are offering rain barrels. You have to order them there. And they are $75. But uh, according to this article in the Free Press today, if <clears throat> you use this code, CWP25, you receive a $25 discount for that. Nice. So that's very nice. So uh, you order them, and they have to be picked up by June 15th. There is a website, and it's very long, and it's www.recycleminnesota.payscape, Uh read that word commerce.com ah, okay so and if you're having project uh, if you're having a problem with that call the extension service they'll probably have more information on how to connect you with that Sure. but if you can get a, a rain barrel for uh you know for cheap 79 dollars minus 25 that's that's really a good deal
0: right and uh <clears throat> and, and i always feel like and maybe it's just me but it seems like plants flowers whether they're flowers or or you know vegetables or whatever they seem to just do better when it rains than oh, when you water yes, yes. you know because uh, like where i live it's well water yes, so it's full of a bunch of you know extra minerals and things like that yes
1: nitrates maybe and yeah things like well that who too. knows but yeah, um yeah. but
0: anyway it just seems like um when when you water you know it's it's you gotta do it like when it's you know yes. dry yes you do but uh whenever there's a rain it just seems like everything pops.
1: Oh it's it's so true. It's so true. As a matter of fact, I finally have my vegetable garden in up a good council and I had um the, my things needed to go in. I had a few things that were looking not their best because they'd been in the greenhouse sure. too long. Okay, and it got them in. It rained a few days later. They're just looking like a million bucks again. Isn't that it, something? Yes, it is. So the rain water, it, for one thing, when you take it out of your barrel now, it's warm. It, it's not this cold shock, uh, and we know that that's not good for plants. Right, it gets hit with this cold water, and you can measure the amount that you're putting on things. You know, when you're standing with a hose and and you're watering, do you keep track of how many gallons you're putting on? I mean, you don't really have any way of knowing, right? So, it, and it's so much better. Uh, not to be drawing water out of the aquifer and out of our wells right. because it is a finite source. It is, and, and we could and run you, out of that.
0: If you capture some of the rain in, a, in <clears> your <throat> barrel, it's not going to run off, right? It's not, that's and right. And go to the lowest spot, which around my house is eventually the Minnesota River, and we know what's going on with that. There's been yes. this, all this, you know, erosion, um, which is, I would argue that you know it is it is terrible um, because it's 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 become a real issue even as far south as as New Orleans, right? Because, you know...
1: You know, when we we came home in April from uh, Georgia and uh, we spent a night in Quincy, Illinois, and already there was flooding. The Mississippi was over its banks. Right. And and the people that live in the lowlands... The, the uh, water was into their fields and getting close to their farm buildings and that, that is a horrible way to, to live. We have so much more water entering and getting into that river and then it comes with such bursts and it does so much damage yep. and you can see when the water recedes those great big trees that have been pushed up into the farmer's fields mm-hmm. that is a lot of work too now I also read because I'm a gardener I'm I'm interested in water and how we preserve that for next generations and when we had uh, uh, a bill to take and uh set aside land um, for um, oh, strips of land. St- yes. Uh, buffer for the buffer strips. Zone, buffer, strips. buffer strips. Yes. I was so excited about that. And uh, according to the law, the farmers had to set aside 50 feet along rivers, streams and, and lakes and then 16.5 feet along ditches and things. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, that's great. But now... When there was a tax bill that would give them credit for this, mm-hmm. it didn't even get a hearing on the floor. It wasn't even heard. You know, there's no free lunch. We right. want We want clean water. Well, let's at least make sure that the farmers aren't paying that bill because you know what? Uh, Karen does this, and I do this. We go around in the summer, and when people mow their lawn and they... Uh, Have the leaves or the grass going, grass clippings going onto the street. They get on the street and the rain comes and they're washed right into the storm storm. sewer. That gets in the rivers and that is as harmful as anything coming off the farmer's field. And so, you know, at least now during this time, uh, let your legislator know this isn't fair. We want these buffer strips. We we want to put clean water into the river. We want to slow things down, but we can't expect the farmers to pay for this. Well,
0: especially now. I mean, oh. they are they are really having a tough time, and
1: they are. So, yes.
0: you know, I uh, I saw something on on social media yesterday that really warmed my heart. It was uh it was about I believe it was um, somebody might have even been the mayor of um, Sioux Falls. Okay. And uh, he was just taking. Little bags of cookies to area farmers around Sioux Falls, with a message on it saying, "You know, we know you're hurting. Right? We know this is a really tough time, and we thought we'd just try and do something to brighten your day a little bit." Yes, you know that has such an impact on people to just acknowledge, "Hey, you know what? We know this is really rough sledding right now." Yes, exactly. And, uh, And so we're 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 thinking of you. We, we want you to be successful. We don't, sure. you know, we don't want you to have, you know, foreclosures and stuff like that happen to right, you. Um, right. So, you know, we really, really, really want and
1: our people, farmers
0: to be successful.
1: People need to understand agriculture is the backbone of our economy. We are so dependent. I don't know how many times those ag dollars turn over, but it's it's, it's a, a lot. lot. Yeah. And you know, when we came home from o- Ohio now two weeks ago... Uh, Ohio, Indiana, Iowa, the fields that weren't even planted yet. It's such a difficult thing with the weather and with the tariffs and with the uncertainty if there's going to be more. Where is the market share going to be? And you know, this is the thing. If you just think about it, once you lose your market share, well, we know this on radio too. There's people that are going to There's people, there's limited amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. And if you go and you start putting your advertising dollars into something else and supporting something else, then you've lost them. It takes forever to get that back again. And so my heart really goes out to the farmers. So, you know, on these buffer strips, this is going to benefit future generations. We talk about what can we do. Well, we can do this. We can make sure that that they get a tax credit for this.
0: Absolutely. I think if you ask... Any farmer, they're stewards of the land. They want to be taking care of what what is so vital to them. So certainly I don't think you'd have anyone arguing the buffer strip idea. But again, it shouldn't be, the full burden should not be on the farmers. No,
1: absolutely not. And then I've been attending the different sessions on hemp because again if you're a gardener and you're interested in the environment and you're list- interested in in alternative crops and, <clears throat> and now i see that uh, excuse me there was a farmer who was raising hemp down by lanesboro yeah i saw that and he was part of this project project that was allowed to he had uh, all his credentials and everything was inspected right well this class that i attended they said the you know the problem with this hemp you have to cut it at a certain time if you don't get it cut at the right time the thc gets higher Higher. Mm -hmm. so the farmer really bears this burden. And so you know that they're out there checking this all the time. They're not sending to market a truckload of hemp right. that has high THC count. Right. Except what they told us was the people that at the weigh stations that weigh these trucks and where these trucks have to stop, they aren't, in. they, they don't have the, the knowledge to do this. Mm-hmm. And they don't always know, well here this poor man is, uh, he got a letter that he's supposed to destroy his crop.
0: I saw that.
1: You know that an acre of hemp seed costs you fifteen hundred dollars.
0: Yeah. And well, not to mention the uh, the the time and the the fuel the and all the rest of that in yeah, yeah. doing the inputs. I mean, there the input costs are more than that. So yes, I it's a really it's a really sad story, and I I feel like you know after reading the account that I read, I feel like this guy you know has a has a pretty good point. He is suing. He is suing. Yeah, and, yes, he and is. I,
1: and he's lucky. He's fortunate that he has the wherewithal to do that. Yeah. But there are a lot of young, small... Operations that mm-hmm. they don't have that that ability to do that. Right. So anytime you take on the government, <laughs> uh, it, it, and if it ties up his crop, then what do you do? Right. And they took away his license too. They suspended it. it now. I know it. So and did you know you have to get special equipment to plant this stuff and I'm not surprised. It? And you make that kind of investment. That doesn't seem right to me either. No, it so, doesn't.
0: You um, know, again, I, I kind of look at it as, as sometimes, you know, the government becomes sort of your enemy rather than your helper. Right, You right. know, and th- I think it should be the latter rather than the former. You know, right. I think the government should, they should be in the business of trying to help people, not, not, not you know. I mean, when sometimes they, you need to punish people, right, that sure. have done bad things. But I just don't see this as, as something when that was sinister. When you allow
1: people to grow the hemp... The government needs to have their ducks in a row so that they know what they're doing, too. And they need to spend some money training their people so that these things don't happen. Because um, you stall out a farmer like that, and then maybe he will go under. But on the happy news, um, the gardens are looking great. Uh, The flowers are looking good. My iris have never been so big and beautiful. And while things are late... Uh, they, they seem to be healthy. There's nothing eating or chewing. Mm-hmm. And even though it's been hot and we've had rain, we don't seem to have any, any blight or anything. Tomatoes are looking good. Cucumbers good. are looking good. So so those things are really good.
0: I can't wait for farmer's markets and, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> yes, so.
1: yes. And, you know, Don, Diane Dunancelli, She not only does she manage the farmer's market, but she's the one who brings all those those delicate pastries and things mm. to the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. and sells them, yep. and there's nothing that I like better than to buy one of those apple turnovers and a cup of coffee <laughs> and walk around and just look at things and say, you don't have room for anything else, Barb, you can't buy anything, <laughs> but you can have your turnover and there your you coffee. Go. There
0: you go. So, yeah. Well, that's true, but it's still uh, it's still kind of the sweet spot, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yep. One Catalan. more thing, Gully, before I leave. Yep. Do you know that tomorrow I'm going to be down at Glenwood Avenue? Oh, at, yes. I know our, what
0: you're going to talk about.
1: I'm going to talk about iris, how to plant them, and how to grow them successfully. And I have divided up my iris, and I'm going to give away as many as people that stop. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So where do we go? Well, uh, Glenwood Avenue is...
0: yep i know where glenwood the, is so. the lower
1: we're 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 right on the road right after you come through what was once the bookstore in the five corners area yep okay well then you'll see our sign it says uh master gardeners uh it's a uh a teaching garden gotcha. it's not a thing of beauty where you go and say oh wow but there's different kinds of things that we're growing there that you might not see anyplace else
0: gotcha well barb always a pleasure
1: Pleasure to be with you, Gully, and happy retirement. Thank you. I think you've earned it.
0: Thank you. Barb Lamson, Master Gardener, regular feature Friday mornings around 935 here on the Maverick.